I think the thing that we lack is the intentionality of taking care of our mental health, whether it's a 15 minute session of just deep breathing or whether it's taking an actual lunch break and not working through our lunch break. And that would require for us to be intentional and really care about our mental health. You are now tuned into the Meesey Muse Unplugged, a pop-up podcast variety show helping consultants along their journey to greatness with your host, management consultant, author, and blogger, Christy Lindor. Hey, my go-getters. Welcome to the Meesey Muse Unplugged podcast show. I'm your host, Christy Lindor, thrilled to be bringing you episode 51. And today, go-getters, we're actually going to do something a little different. This was unscheduled. It was actually an impromptu episode, but I would be remiss to not let the show and not do a segment specifically on mental health and the importance of us, particularly the high-performing go-getters out there making sure that we take care of ourselves, right? You know, obviously this episode really comes on the heels of the shocking news, the world lost two amazing legends, Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain. May they both rest in peace. And go-getters, you know, I, I wanted to make sure that we had that conversation. Mental health is something that people don't talk about regularly and sometimes they don't talk at all, right? It's not really a topic, at least here in the U.S., that is talked about publicly. And I think that it should be because, you know, people are going through a lot of different issues, tough times, and sometimes individuals may not even be aware of what's happening. So I thought it was really important to begin and have that conversation on today's show. And we did bring an expert in to kick that off. So my guest for today, her name is Celeste Vis. Here. A little bit about Celeste. She is a licensed mental health clinician. She's got private practice that she runs called the Uniting Center. And as a cognitive behavioral therapist, Celeste spends her days, you know, day in, day out for the past 15 or so years working with different individuals and helping them through hardships, challenges, helping them to really address many of the challenges that sometimes we face. I thought that it would be really cool for her to come and bring some tips and tricks, some things that you can think about if you may, you know, have bouts of depression, bouts of anxiety, just maybe going through a bad kind of cycle. And how can you really conquer that and be able to really get back on your journey to greatness? And so we're going to have a really cool conversation. Actually, Celeste is also an author. She wrote a cool journal called 365 Days of Intentional Living. I will make sure we add the link to the show notes so you can check that book out. But super thrilled and hopefully you will enjoy today's conversation. Go get ours. Let's get started. So Celeste, thank you for joining us on the Me See Me's Unplugged. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you because I definitely had wanted you on the show. I think you're going to bring a lot to the go-getters, but it's unfortunate in terms of the timing of this conversation. I felt like I could not end the show and not have a discussion about mental health. 
mental health awareness, depression, anxiety, particularly in the workplace. And go-getters who are in consulting, they know how demanding, how intense of a profession it can be. And sometimes it's isolating. You're constantly traveling on the road. And mental health is not something that's readily talked about. So I wanted to make sure, you know, in respects to Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain, may they both rest in peace. I wanted to have a conversation. So I think you are the perfect person to kick that conversation off. So I guess before we get started with today's interview, if you can take a moment, Celeste, and introduce yourself to the go-getters of the Missy Me's Unplugged. So my name is Celeste and I am a therapist and I work with adults. My specialty is in depression, anxiety, substance abuse, bipolar disorder, and psychotic disorders. So I've been a therapist for about eight years and I've been a private practice for two years. Awesome. And what I love, Celeste is also an author. She forgot to mention that. She's got a really cool book, Go-Getters. It's called 365 Days of Intentional Living. I have a copy of it. And I know we'll talk about that. I love the journal I've been writing, by the way. But I definitely want to make sure we talk about your book in a second. But, you know, to kind of to, to go back before we start talking about mental health, maybe just share how you decided to go into the space and become, you know, a licensed mental health clinician. So it actually happened by accident. I was 19. I had went to the military. I wasn't sure if I wanted to go to college. And I was going to school, needed extra money and started working at the shelter because it was paying more than the grocery store I was working at. And I started talking to people in the shelter, didn't know anything about homelessness, didn't know anything about substance abuse and um, fell in love with the population found out that there was this thing called therapy that was essentially doing what I was doing, talking to people, listening to people. And so I switched my career from nursing to psychology. Wow. And how has that journey been since you made that shift? I'm sure you speak to a lot of people and hear a lot of things. Like, how's that been for you? So it's been very rewarding, humbling. It keeps me grounded. I'm always grateful for everything I have because because I see people that are hurting on a regular basis, I'm really conscious of life and how precious it is. So initially it was draining and I think it was draining more so because I gave so much of myself and didn't give anything to myself because I really wanted to see people win in life. And I think by the time I was able to place some boundaries and self-care for myself, I felt more balanced with what I was doing. Right. That's great. That's great that you found that balance. And you're in private practice now, right? I am. April's two years. Two years. Okay. And do you take um, most of your clients in person or do you also take virtual counseling? When I initially started, it was all in person. Now that I've been in practice for a while, I do see people virtually and in office as well. Okay. That's helpful to know. So, you know, if we start to talk about kind of mental health, and I know we're just kind of at the end, I think it was May. Well, so May, May was Mental Health Awareness Month, at least here in the U.S. Maybe you can share, Celeste, like what are some of the common symptoms you see uh, people that are coming to you, your clients that are related to mental health, whether it's stress or depression or anxiety, particularly in the workplace? So when it comes to most of my clients are working clients, I take a lot of commercial insurance. So I see a lot of people that work. A lot of people come to me, believe it or not, after seeing their doctor and having some type of physical ailment that cannot be described by any testing. A lot of times we have physical pain. And once everything's ruled out, the doctors start to ask this question about how is your stress? 
And because people are overwhelmed with life plus at work, we end up becoming overwhelmed and not balanced. So people do come to me and, you know, working on figuring out how to have a more balanced life. Okay. Okay. And is there any, any common themes you're seeing with, with the people that are coming in with, you know, with the doctor's kind of referral recommendation when it comes to work, anything that you see uh, themes in terms of what's actually happening at work that's causing that type of stress? I think in general, you know, I grew up in America in our society, we tend to base success off of this model of more. And so if I've been told in order for me to be successful, I have to climb the ladder and be the president, the CEO, or bigger house and bigger car, I'm not taking time out to actually think about what's happening with me. And so because we're so focused on this, you know, US model of success, I think we end up becoming burned out by it. And I think that's a typical theme across the board with people in the workplace who are finding themselves feeling overwhelmed and stuff. Do you find that nowadays, you know, there's definitely been, I feel like a lot more awareness, or maybe it's just me personally too. I have a lot of mentees that come to me and they are just what you're saying. It's just, they feel burned out. They, they feel like they don't have a choice is usually what I hear. Like they kind of have to do this or else, you know, they're not going to get promoted or they're not going to get that bonus or, you know, so I definitely agree with you on the more mentality, but do you feel like that there's kind of any particular things that people should be looking to do differently? Yeah. So it's easy for us to think about tangible things and tell ourselves that we don't have time to take care of ourselves. And I realize like we need money to survive. So yeah, you need to work. And we are very intentional about setting our alarms for the workday. We're intentional about scheduling and meetings and time to meet with people and to get further along in our career. I think the thing that we lack is the intentionality of taking care of our mental health, whether it's a 15-minute session of just deep breathing or whether it's taking an actual lunch break and not working through our lunch break. And that would require for us to be intentional and really care about our mental health. But I believe that because we can't see the damage that we do to our bodies and our mind in real time, it's easy for us to tell ourselves that we don't have time to actually take care of ourselves in a complete way. Yeah. What are some telltale signs of either depression or anxiety that may not be as commonly known? I think some of the common ones you hear, you know, is like people just kind of dreading going to work or, you know, maybe getting constant. I've heard people get frequent headaches. What are some signs that people may have that may not always be like readily correlated or people, you know, don't translate that that's stress related? Yeah, I think that, you know, I would have have assumed that depression was being in bed, not being able to get out of bed, loss of interest. But I was actually really a functional depressed person. I was depressed and I was working and I was going to school. And I think that that's something that people will gloss over because they're, I was a functioning member of society. But at nighttime, I was not as functional. You know, I was depressed. And so... I think if we were to pay more attention to our movements, because, you know, we look at things that people use to cope the stigmatizing things like alcohol or drugs, but, you know, school and overworking ourselves could be another form of a coping mechanism because we don't want to think about things that we're struggling with. But the thing is, is that your mind will catch up with you eventually when you have some downtime and force you to kind of think about those things. So there's 
you know, impulsively, being impulsively, emotionally, there's anger. People can react angrily and people would never know that that person is depressed. You would never think someone who's always angry is possibly depressed, right? Mm. So there's a lot of different ways. Depression will look different on everyone. That's very interesting because you're right. I would never have thought that that would have caused, that would have been a symptom of it. Right. So they're just, it's a mask, right? We have a lot of struggles that we're not dealing with because we have to climb this ladder of success. And so we mask it. And, you know, especially with males, males are told not to cry. Males are told not to be sad. Anger is something that's accepted of males. So, you know, you will see a lot of angry males who are struggling inside and don't have the language to talk about their struggle. So, you know, if I know somebody that may be showing different types of symptoms, whether it's anger, it's sadness, it's withdrawal, what would be a way that I can, you know, myself or anyone that's listening to this episode can be empathetic to somebody near them? So that's a great question because I think we all want to help our friends and our loved ones, especially, you know, where there's no, you can see like this person's possibly depressed. I think sometimes we end up saying the wrong things. We'll say things like it'll be fine or get over it. And I think we do people a disservice. And I think the best thing to do is to listen. Because, you know, when you tell people like, oh, just come on, you'll be fine. It's the same thing as telling someone with a broken leg in a wheelchair to run a marathon and they'll get through it. And I think because people that have not experienced depression don't understand it, they can't see it. So they are really trying to help. They mean well. But I think the best way to help out a friend or a loved one is to really listen and let them know that you are there for them if they need to talk. Right. That's very helpful. And what about if someone is listening to this and they're like, man, I know that I've not been myself lately, but I'm not sure what to do. I'm embarrassed to even acknowledge that. Like, what would you say to that person? And so people that are struggling, therapy is always a great solution, but I realize everyone doesn't have access to therapy. People may feel shame about some of the things that they're struggling with. One great resource is online. There's online support groups that are there. There's information support networks online that you can be on without acknowledging who you are. But if that's not something that you would want to do, another great way, which I used growing up, didn't realize I was helping myself was journaling actually writing out how you're feeling and identifying the emotion that's attached to your feelings can help you so that it fits. the things that we go through are real. But the problem is that we are not able to make the connection, you know. And so when we're struggling and when we're embarrassed about things, it's because no one's ever talked about our emotions. The only thing that we are able to talk about is feeling happy. And if you're anything but happy, people don't really acknowledge it. So it's important if you're not able to acknowledge it to anybody to at least be honest with yourself so that you can find healing, right? I think that's important. Yeah, I think that's really good advice, Celeste. What about medication? So I feel like we're in, you know, in addition to having, there's like all types of stats of, you know, people being a lot more depressed, a lot more anxiety. I recently read that suicides have gone up. I think there was a CDC report that recently came out. But in addition to that, there's also been a lot of drug use and drug abuse. And I do know of of certain individuals that, you know, are, you know, go to medication to cope with their depression or to cope with their anxiety. What are your thoughts on that as one method? 
So, you know, when it comes to medication, I'm not against medication. I have clients who do really well with medication. The problem I have with American society and medication is that it's a first resort. So I've had people come to me because they've been dealing with depression for a specific reason. And the first thing the doctor said was, well, why don't you try this medication? And instead of actually talking about the problem and helping them understand the symptoms, because the thing is with medication, it will help with some of the symptoms, but the issue, the root of the problem, the trauma, the things that they've experienced is still there. And no one says, well, how's your sleep? How's your eating? What kind of environment are you in? What's your stress level? There's no commercial that talks about natural ways we can work on healing ourselves because no one's going to get paid from that. So I feel like if we were to really think about taking care of ourselves, not just our mental, but our physical as well, because it's all related, we can actually work on a better method of coping in society. Yeah, I totally agree. And go-getters, what we'll do, you know, I know that Celeste had mentioned different online communities and information. I'm going to definitely post a ton of different resources on the show notes for this episode, because I think this is a really, really important topic that people are armed with information and resources, whether it's for them or whether it's for people around them, because it's not talked about. And I'm hopeful that, you know, our society will continue to normalize the importance of mental health. So I'm all for the work, Celeste, that you do. You know, I want to talk a little bit about your guided journal. Before I go there, one thing I wanted to kind of close out on the conversation around mental health is kind of the extremes, right? So, you know, sometimes the extreme actions that people take upon themselves, whether it's hurting themselves physically or, you know, like cutting themselves constantly or hurting themselves through abuse, you know, extreme like alcohol abuse or even, you know, the ultimate extreme, which is suicide. What are some things like if someone sees someone in a spiral or someone listening to this may be feeling, you know, some of these having these feelings and trying to really cope and going through some type of battle like this that would lead to extreme behavior? What advice would you give at that particular point? So someone who, you know, cutting is one of the forms that people use because the pain that they don't have a name to describe and they can't understand it. I think when you cut and you see the blood, it allows you to feel like, okay, so this is real. I'm really in pain. And so for anyone that's struggling right now and coping with life and feeling like things are really hard, you know, I would just say that feelings are temporary. And even though it feels hard, one of the things that I like to think about is this idea of rain. No one really likes the rain, but I know when the rain's over, there's a rainbow. And being able to reach out for support is important. And, you know, no one is born to say, I want to be an alcoholic. No one's born to say, I want to abuse drugs, or I want to be a cutter, or I want to struggle with depression. And I think that people feel like this is the way my life has to be. This is the way I am. But know that regardless of like what you've been through throughout your life, that you can rewrite your story. And I think a lot of times people have not been told that or have been empowered to believe that. And, you know, I want to encourage you to know that you hold the pen and you're the author of your story. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what you just shared is very powerful, Celeste. I think the other aspect of that, as someone personally, you know, I definitely had bouts of depression, bouts of anxiety that I've dealt with through, you know, I've shared on the show a number of times, you know, the loss of my mom and my grandmother, I think was a really life defining moment. And it's really kind of created a splinter in my life. And I remember going through a lot of depression and that sort of thing. But 
I think, you know, as I look at where I am now, I believe you can conquer it. Right. So, you know, because I think sometimes, you know, if when you're in that dark space, it feels like there's no other way out. And there's this kind of hopelessness and death, you know, this despair. It's hard to describe it in words, but there's just a despair that you get to that I want people out there that's listening to this, that may be facing that they're in that space to know they can conquer it and that people are available. People want to help them. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes the environment that you're in may not work. And I think just working on changing your mindset, because it's not like anything I offer in therapy is going to change anyone's trauma or their grief or their pain, but it will allow people to get a new perspective about their life so that they can start to see things differently. And that sounds like what happened with you. You know, if you think about when you were struggling in that pain, you never thought you would be where you are today. But, you know, knowing that someone shares my story, gives me hope that I can keep going. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, you know, once a person has experienced kind of that deep, deep level of depression, when you kind of get out of it, you know what, I still vividly remember those feelings, even though I'm not in that space anymore. I still remember that feeling. And this was like over almost 10 years ago. So it's something that kind of stays with me. And it's a reminder that I have a choice. And I like you said that earlier, Celeste, but it's like, you know, I don't have to stay there. You know, I do have a choice. I do have people that care about me. I do know there is a tomorrow, whatever anyone's going through, there is a tomorrow. So great. So thank you for this conversation. Now available on Amazon, management consultant and author Christy Lindor shares career secrets based on 15 years of experience working at top firms in a new book called The Me-See Muse. A hundred plus selected practices, unwritten rules and habits of great consultants. The Me-See Muse provides insights, stories and strategies on the unwritten rules of the consulting profession. Christy conducted research and connected with 50-plus industry titans across 27 professional service organizations on what makes a great consultant. For book reviews, tour dates, and more info, go to www.mecnews.us. I want to switch gears a little, Celeste, and talk about your guided journal. So... I've been writing in your journal and full disclosure, I carry like a ton of different notebooks. I'm constantly writing, but I never thought to actually journal, right? Until I picked up your book. So maybe you can share with the go-getters what made you decide to write your book, 365 Days of Intentional Living, and what do you hope people can gain from it? So I've never wanted to be an author. I just kind of wanted to talk about mental health. And so I do a lot of live streaming and and where people ask me questions and I talk about different issues. And one of the things I always suggest with people is to journal and to write. And people would say to me, what does that mean? And because, you know, I've been doing it for so long, I'm 35. I was doing it when I was 15, just kind of out of despair and out of not having any other outlet, I would write. And I realized people have never written before. People don't know where to start. And also I do every day, I post a positive quote where I talk about the quote. And so something flicked where I said, I can make a journal where each day I give somebody something to think about differently. And so the idea behind the guided journal is for people that either have a therapist or not, because I really believe in helping people heal where they're at. And so the guided journal walks you through 365 days of different questions and some of them are similar and that's very intentional is for where we're talking about forgiveness where we're talking about 
acceptance and we're talking about your social life. We're talking about how much you hold value. And the more you see that, eventually it clicks, right? They say like, if you see an ad, like sometimes I'll say something like, I want to buy something and I forget. And then I see it two more times. And the third time I was like, oh yeah, let me just get it now. And I, I feel like that's the case with the guided journal. You know, I'm asking questions in different ways that have the same common theme. And the goal of the guided journal is to help you empower yourself to make positive changes in your life. Yeah. And go-getters will definitely post the link to this journal. I think one thing that I do like about your journal is the acknowledgement of how a person's feeling today. And you have like little stickers that you include. So maybe, can you maybe describe kind of that framework? Yeah. So one of the things that we struggle with is because, you know, my kids have the pleasure of talking about emotions. That's all I do. So they're able to identify how they're feeling. But I know growing up, you know, if you were crying and there was nothing broken, you need to be quiet. There's no blood or broken bones, then there's no reason to be sad. So I give people a range of emotions so they can start to tap into what they're feeling daily and start to see a common theme. And maybe, okay, maybe I'm feeling jealous all the time. Jealousy is something that no one wants to really admit that they're feeling. But you know what the reality is? is If I'm jealous, I need to start to acknowledge it. And so each day I'm intentional on asking you how you're feeling in hopes of helping you connect the dots so that you can work on changing your behavior, that we try to change our behavior without going to the root of the problem. And I think it starts with our emotions. It starts with our thoughts. And that's the goal of this guided journal is to tap into your thoughts. Yeah, no, I think it's great. And I like the how you're feeling piece because I think over time, if someone is journaling, over time, you can kind of start to pick up patterns. You can start to see if there's a specific time of the month or there's a specific day or, you know, and what's happening on that day. Because what I find myself Celeste doing, and maybe it's the type A in me, <laughs> I'll like if I notice if I'm feeling a certain way on a certain day and it's not what I want to feel like, I'll look at the day and say, okay, well, what happened yesterday? Or what, what do I have today on my plate? Is that triggering this feeling? So it makes me really kind of dig a little deep and help me figure out like, it's given me a lot of clarity, believe it or not. I so thank you for writing, for creating this journal, guided journal. Yes, it's doing everything that I wanted to do. And those are called triggers. So that was my goal behind that is to help you identify your triggers. And that's something that a therapist, you know, you, d- you didn't even sit in a therapist's office to help get clarity. And, you know, you may not have time to do that, but to be able to take 10, 15 minutes out your day is amazing. And another thing, that I have in the guided journal is these positive coping skills. So sometimes we cope negatively, whether um, it's, it's something that we may regret, maybe we're drinking too much, maybe we're smoking too much, you know, maybe we're eating too much. And so if we identify those negative things that we turn to and replace them with something positive, it'll help us feel better overall. Yeah. And positive, co- do you want to share with the listeners, like what are some examples of some positive coping strategies? Yeah, so some positive coping strategies and meditation, deep breathing. I love deep breathing, yoga, uh, going for a walk. And I give all free examples of things that you can do because sometimes people say, well, you know, I can't afford to get my nails done or get a massage. And it's really not, you know, you use what you have. If you can't afford a massage or to get your nails done, you can afford to go for a walk. You can afford to sit down and take a real break and take two minutes to breathe. 
I think if we really start to think about our life, we can create 15 minutes out the day, whether we wake up early, whether we go to bed a little bit later just to get that 15 minutes in. But, you know, no one's going to do it for us. I think it's important to understand we have to do it for ourselves. Awesome. Awesome. So thank you. Thank you so much. I feel like we can continue talking about this all day. And I know, Celeste, this is one of the final episodes on this podcast, but I would love to have you join my new podcast and be a guest on that if you're interested. Yes, of course. I know. I, I think I sleep, breathe, everything mental health. I, I really enjoy helping people with clarity. So I really appreciate you helping me out. Yeah, definitely. And I think the work you're doing is extremely meaningful extremely needed. And I wish you continued success with your book, continued success with your practice. I look forward to talking to you again. Yeah. So before we close out, Celeste, do you want to give the go-getters kind of some links and handles where they can find you if they want to check you out, check out your book or listen to some of your live streams? You also have a podcast coming out too, right? I do. So my podcast is going to start July 2nd. And the easiest way to connect with me on any of my social medias is celestetherapist.com. And if you want to purchase the book, you can do that through celestetherapist.com. And you can also it through Amazon. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Celeste, for joining us on today's show. And thank you, Michael Gutters, for tuning in today. This is Christy Lindor signing out for the Misi Muse Unplugged Pop-Up Podcast. Here's to your journey to greatness. Tune in every Friday for new episodes syndicated on iTunes, Google Play Music, and many more. Visit www.misimuse.com for more information. Thank you.